Hey community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach pre-season extravaganza. My name is Patch and I am here this week with the wonderful Damo, our man out west. Damo, how are you? I'm good. I'm very good. I'm ready for this season to get underway. It's This pre-season is way too long. It is way too long. It is far, far too long. We've been getting whispers that the team picker is on the way and should be here before Christmas. Touch wood. So it's time to just start throwing research at the wall, start getting your your pins out and your your bits of string, put them together and just confuse everyone. Um, But Damo, we're here. We've done Richmond and Gold Coast last week as part of our preseason analysis. And Damo, who are we doing this week? Uh, we're going to do GWS and Melbourne, and since we started from the top and went to the bottom second, let's start from the bottom and go to the top this time. So let's start with Melbourne. I like it. I feel like there might be more Supercoach relevance in Melbourne this year. Do you do you feel the same way? Probably more Supercoach relevance in terms of options, but um, who knows? Who really knows? Who knows indeed. Um, well, well, we'll follow the same format that we did last time because that kind of worked, I guess. It gave us structure, made us less over time and less sort of running out of time instantly. Um, so we might just jump straight into the Melbourne Demons and talk about their locks. It'll be Smooth Jimmy's luck of the week. Ooh, that's a big luck, all right. The big bearded grizzly, Max Gorn, is your lock. Yes. With, with an asterisk. Yes, with an asterisk. Talk me through this asterisk. I don't... I'm not, I'm not sure I like what I'm hearing here. Every time I talk about him, my gut gets all twisted up because I've got a funny feeling that the end of his reign is near. Oh, is there a... Mm, yeah, I, I know what you're feeling. Um, and that is the, the residual Cox curse is what that is. Um, everyone's kind of used to just Brockman being used good for one year and then disappearing and apparently no the, the cox has only had a buy it's back this year back in full force logical to be feeling that way is that is that the reason behind it or am i just a, a lunatic 
Um, you're a bit of a lunatic because Grundy was the top scoring ruckman last season. Yeah, yeah, that the Cox Coast had a bye, had a week off, had a year off. It's back this year. So, so it's going to hit the top two instead of the, instead of the top one. The the Cox curse works in mysterious ways, Damo. Who am I to question how the great Dean Cox sets up his pentagram? I won't argue. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Max Gorn last year finished round 23 with 202, 119. Uh, yeah, 202 in the last round. That's That's a lot of points. And he had quite a bunch of scores above 150 and 140. He had a run in the middle of the year where he scored 144 in round 9, 149 in round 10, then 158, 153, 151, before having an injured game in round 15. Sure, Is there anything that you think will stand in the way of him repeating that sort of form this year? It depends what they do with the with their rucks, because... They've got Braden Pruce. They picked up Luke Jackson in the draft. Do they chain him to one of them to rotate? It's, it's does Melbourne become a dual ruck team all of a sudden? It's it's something that we have to really consider because last year, although you can argue fitness is the main thing that let them down, it might have also been tactics and. They've recruited to try something different in 2020. So who knows if Max Gorn is going to be that lone figure in the middle. Yeah, agreed. He's um, definitely a, a watch and wait. If it looks like um, Bruce will be lining up in every game with him or if they're going to play, you know, we'll talk a bit about Luke Jackson later, but if he plays a, a role in pinching some of that hit out time, we'd have to second guess it. But if it looks like Gorn's going round solo, would you have any hesitation locking him in if it's clear Riders rain that that he's going on his own. It might just come down to price and how my team is made up. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. I'm I'm going to stand here and say that if Max Gorn is solo, then he he's lock status, and then obviously you play around with with price. But yeah, I I kind of scared by the concept of not having Max Gorn when you look at these raw numbers from last year when he had, you know, from his first. You know, first 20 rounds, he had two scores under 100, and one of those was injury-affected. He's a beast. But we'll wait and see. Any other locks from the Melbourne Demons? Clayton Oliver. Yeah, good call. Good call. Talk to me. He had a down year. Averaged 109. Uh, so you doing pretty bloody well if that's a down year. So a down year by his standards. Um, and, and that this was him after he came off two shoulder reconstructions in the last preseason, barely made it through to play round one and then didn't miss a game for the whole season. So he built into some really nice form, but started off frustratingly slow. Yes, he did. He yeah, sort of took, took a while to worm into it, but once he was going, he was one of the best players in the competition and you'd imagine he'd he'd be the same again this year if he gets a full full preseason and full run at it. Yes, yeah, so I I I think he's going to make that jump that we all thought he was going to make last year. Last season rather. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. Have you got like a projected average what do you think he might jump to? Do you think he'll jump to a one like a one twenty? 
I don't think he'll jump that far. Um, maybe 115. In which case, you'd, you'd pretty much lock him in, barring any pre-season injury. Are there any other locks floating around? None for me. Are there any on your list, Patch? No, I don't, I don't have any other locks, but I think that once we start getting into the nitty-gritty of it, uh, there's a lot more, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot more playful options lying around. I can't remember the order we did this in last week. So I we might have to jump to rookies. Is that the one we jump to next? I'm happy to jump to rookies. Whoa, a Methuselah rookie card! Trent Rivers, talk to me. Uh, next to his name, the only note I have written down is Michael Hibbard clone. Now, when you say Michael Hibbard clone, do you mean the Michael Hibbard that averaged 95 or the Michael Hibbard that averaged 95 for two weeks and then 60 for about 12 weeks? Hopefully the one that averaged 95 for a whole season. Yes. Um, yeah, you'd hope so. He, he looks like he's kind of what Melbourne need and what a lot of people are talking about in Melbourne. You know, taking um, Young at pick three in the draft as, as the best ball user, I think they found a very good one in Rivers from all accounts of, of what I've read of him. And I think, yeah, you, you, you think he lines up round one? I don't know how they're going to structure themselves for round one, but I think he's a really good chance. Yeah, and I think, yeah, if he does line up round one, Melbourne have a pretty good history of playing their rookies. You look at Marty Hall this year, uh, just gone. Um, I think he's, he's an excellent one. Now, Luke Jackson, as pick number three, will start at about you know, about 200k, maybe a little bit under, um, and he will be ruck only. He will not have a forward eligibility status. You only pick him in the ruck. Would you consider him in the ruck at all, Damo? At that price, no. No, good call. I think he'll play games. He'll play here and there, play as a forward, play... He's been floated as playing as a midfielder. He's got rather zany skills from the pre-draft videos that were put up um, by people all over the place. Um, looks like he'll be a very good player, but certainly not one you'd think super coach relevant next year. Um, other rookie, there were one other rookie, one other big name rookie they brought in, Kaziah Pickett. Demo. Don't, don't pick him. Good call. Small, pressure forward. Uh, he might average 12 for the season. Yeah. Could, if, if he plays. Could be a, yeah, could be a brilliant player once he gets going, but yeah, super catch wise, don't think it's worth a look in there. Um, new players. There's, um, there's a new player from, you know, formerly of the Dockers. Talk to me about Langdon. I think he will become a key cog to ensure that the Melbourne midfield hums. Uh, he averaged he averaged a very nice, uh, a very solid 85.9 for the season. It's not what you really want from a player of, when you're playing $450 for them. $450,000 for them, but it was more the flashes of brilliance that he had throughout the year. So he finished the year with four games where he had, where he scored 102, 104, 111, and 114. Plus he had all these scattered scores throughout the year where it was like 86, 99, 
Mixed in between all them was like sixties and fifties and forties and all that. So yeah, if he yuck. can iron those lower, if he can iron those lower scores out of his, t- out of his, uh, out out of his run, then he might be a, a solid option. He's um certainly one I'd be looking at in draft, but in Supercoach Classic, do you as a mid only, um, do you feel like there there is that room for him? Do, what 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 do you see him averaging? What would you need to see? to look at selecting him. I would need to see a clear defined role in the Marsh community series. So when they play, I'd like to see how he fits in um, because they definitely did need some outside run in 2019. I think that's what really let them down because they put Angus Brasher out there. He's, he's not an outside runner. They put Nathan Jones out there. He's definitely not an outside runner. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see where they play him because if he plays his preferred wing role, especially on the uh, MCG left side, on the especially if he plays along the left corridor, um, he will definitely score quite consistently. There might be games where he has like a bad score, but if he pl- can score more consistently in the ninety-five sort of to one hundred five range. He could average 102, 103. So you, you, you'd you have to decide whether you're getting him as a stepping stone or as a final piece to your midfield when the time comes. But he would be a good point of difference um, maybe towards the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely would be a point of difference. I don't think there'd be too many jumping on at this stage. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, as someone who doesn't know much about anything, I reckon that sounds pretty good. Uh, you mentioned Angus Brayshaw in there, um, who I've got down as a sneaky little um, breakout option. Um, we're going to jump straight across there because we're going to jump across to breakout options now. You know you make me break out, make me break out. But I, I reckon Angus Brayshaw, as you mentioned, will no longer have to play that outside run running role that he did during the season just gone, season 2019. I think he might, he should be thrown, if Melbourne have any common sense about them, straight back into the guts. I had a few games during the year where he did rack up big numbers, 124, 108, uh, another 124 at the end of the year. Um, it's sort of cherry-picking the good scores out. He, he, We know that he's got that consistency, he has that scoring, and you look at the year he did go gangbusters in 2018 and you know the end of that season he going from round 23 backwards he had 116 115 116 115 and i think if he's back in that role he was in towards the end of 2018 then there'll be potential for big scores very very big scores 450k about that same price as ed langdon certainly one you'd need to watch um and potentially one to just cast away but damo do you think there's any merit in looking at an angus brayshaw in 2019 or 2020 rather I think there is. I won't be. I was burnt by him, and I will never touch him ever again. Um, but um, he is an option for sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you say that, but I, you know, that's that's where I thrive, Damo. I love me some some options. People have cast aside and said never again, and then you just pounce on them because no one's no one's going near them. They're a new pod. Jack Billings last year was a, a perfect example of that. Now, it wasn't, wasn't, didn't set the world on fire, but was very, very serviceable throughout large parts of last year. 
Um, and I reckon that that burn factor where people have cast players aside and, you know, blind themselves to the potential of going back, I think there's there's scope to exploit that, perhaps. Maybe. Or you, or you could get burned as well. Maybe I'll get burned. But hey, it'll be fun while it lasts. Maybe. You're on Have your you got own. any other options? <laughs> Have you got any other breakout options that I can maybe pick instead of Brayshaw? Uh, Christian Salem. Ooh. That's an interesting one. There, now, there were whispers that he might break out in 2019. What makes you think that 2020 could be different? I think the, the real key here is the team fitness of that uh, Melbourne defence. As soon as that Melbourne defence fell apart last season, his scores fell away because he had to become more accountable for his man. He couldn't rebound like he, like he was doing. He started the year with a hundred and... I think it was a score of 121 or, or something in in that neighbourhood. And everyone was... And everyone just was amazed that we had overlooked this person because he takes the kick-ins, he likes to run, and he likes to kick the ball... He's just one of their many rebound options, along with Michael Hibbert and perhaps maybe Trent, Trent Rivers as well. Uh, he, 139 in round one last year. Yeah, so... Mammoth it, score. It was a good score. And and I remember uh, there was a video with Max Gorn and John Ralph. And Max Gorn said, Christian Salem will be a good super coach option this, this year. He was... Wrong in hindsight, but after that first week, everyone was sort of being like, maybe we should have listened to Max Gorn. And I, I, I haven't watched him hugely closely, but you feel like, especially being a sort of a rebounding defender, um, he strikes me as a player that plays off how well his team's doing as well. Like if his team's up and about, he's more likely to score points. Whereas if the Demons are struggling, which they were for large chunks of last year, where, you know, some defenders will thrive under those conditions and get more of the ball. Salem seems like someone who, when there's been an intercept mark, will be the first option to give and go, like Connor McKenna or Adam Saad at Essendon, and then get his points that way. Do you do you think that if if Melbourne do improve, he'll then be the, the big points beneficiary of that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, now, I, I reckon that he, yeah, certainly one, one to watch, and Melbourne being a team to watch, um, but yeah, you know, get, as you mentioned, the kickouts factor cannot be under, understated either. Now, Patch, do we talk about a re-breakout contender? A re oh, Is this, this one of your burn men that you're never touching again? Well, Tom McDonald. Oh, okay. Here we go. So... strap myself in for this. Pitch me Tom McDonald. All right, so he was a very, very consistent scorer when they had Jesse Hogan as his foil in attack. And now, with Mitch Brown and perhaps one of Jackson or Wiedemann, he could return to be that reliable forward who averages 98 again. Ooh, that is a big call. It's a very big call. Um I like it. I like you've gone out there and you've, you've put it up there. And looking at that year, 
that 2018 year, you look at the scores, and it's, it, yeah, as you said, it's very consistent. You got 86, 86, 135, 118, 80, 164, 123, 90, and then a, a 39, which obviously you don't talk about. Um, but, you know, that sort of, aside from the 39, that consistency goes all throughout the year. You know, very, very valid point. But there are two things I'd be interested to to try and avoid uh, this year. One would be that with Jesse Hogan, uh, McDonald wouldn't have had the number one defender most weeks. I feel like he would have then had that second defender. And then also the past two seasons, he's had 17 and 15 games respectively. Is um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I like it. Are you, are you still you still tempted there? I need to see him in the Marsh Community Series. I need to see how that forward line is set up. Yeah, I think you could. You could. Could you do? Maybe, mm, I was about to say you could do far worse, but also could you? I mean, Tom McDonald at his worst, as I mentioned with that thirty-nine, okay. is a key forward, but I'm at sh- his best. I'm sure you could do far worse, but I'm also sure you sure you could do far better as well. He's definitely an interesting one and certainly one to keep an eye on. And I love that you've mentioned him. That's this is a safe space. Mention all of the terrible, you know, all of the the breakout contenders, all of the ones that could backfire. We'll support you one hundred percent until they do backfire, and we will endlessly rub it in until the end of time. That's that's what this space is. Patch, we've been waffling. Have you got any? We have been waffling. Who we would have ne- thought the Jocklinger's we- <laughs> Community Podcast waffling? Is what good waffles do. We need to move on and start waffling about G- GWS. We do. Thank God you're here, Damer. Otherwise, the waffling would never never stop, really. We'd just oh. be on and on and on. I like waffles. Bless your... Waffles are great. Giant waffles are even better, and there are plenty of giant waffles in Western Sydney. Which giant waffles do you want to taste first none if, ta- if that's I've okay with you metaphor, i've taken the metaphor way too far but i'm just going to keep driving into the ground who who do you want to give a good old lick in the gws side in terms of super good smooth jimmy's luck just, just a week. Ooh, it's a big luck all right let's talk about lucky whitfield <laughs> lucky whitfield let's go on board with lucky whitfield uh, would be a lock. You would. Uh, you would think he's got forward eligibility. Mid- Is there any reason in the world you wouldn't select the mid forward, Lucky uh, Whitfield? I would say the only reason might be their price. Mm. Now, yeah, obviously we'll we'll have greater dissection of this when you know when Supercoach team pickers are unleashed when we can all sort of play around with combinations, but. With Lockie Whitfield, it feels like a case of you you pay for for what you get. He will start what towards six hundred k, um, but it, surely that's surely that's worth what Whitfield can produce as a forward, averaging one hundred and eleven in twenty nineteen, albeit over the sixteen games. I guess the other thing that you'd have to consider is GWS aren't really. Uh upfront about injury status so if he gets injured and you've paid that amount of money for him do you hold him or do you tell GWS to get stuffed and trade him out and fix it that way or 
it's just and then yeah risk having him come back that one one or two weeks later and as as much as inherently part of me is like you know you should just scoff at that because you know what 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 does it matter if he doesn't get injured then what's the problem but it is a very valid thing to think about because that frustration of and agonizing over whether to hold or to to ditch it, it is something that will come up with Whitfield who has had niggles all throughout his career you um yeah, it's something you have to sort of look at as a whole with GWS, but surely you look at Whitfield, even as someone who's had, you know, regular seasons where he's only played 11, 15 games, etc. But you look at, you know, the amount of 130s, 150s, you know, the, the 170 he peeled off last year and think of, of the opportunity to have that in the forward line. I certainly can't look at that and tell it to get out of town. No, he's he's gonna he's gonna be a very good option. You just have to be confident that he's gonna stay out there for, I want to say at least, the whole season, at least the whole season. Yeah, oh, especially yeah. for that monitor, price. Monitor him, monitor him in the preseason. But yeah, you would have to get you'd you'd want a full season out of him, missing only one or two games at most. Speaking of missing one or two games at most, who are you know you'd consider a lock from the Giants, Joshua Kelly. Is he a lock? Now, there's no knock on his football ability. We all know that when Josh Kelly's up and running, he is one of the best, you know, top five players in the competition, both in terms of just football ability and in terms of super coach output. But Damo, what about the injuries? Had 14 and 15 games in his last two years, respectively. Can we pick him? Do you remember last preseason there was a debate whether to go with Fife or Kelly, who were pretty much the same price, and everyone went with Kelly because Fife had missed too many games over the last few years. I do, I do. To those that picked Josh Kelly, I am laughing at you. You can't hear me laughing at you because I'm doing it silently in my head, but I am laughing at you. Let's move on. Fair enough. Would you be laughing at the people that picked him again this year? As long as he has a full preseason, um, I don't mind it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. Will you? Would there be anything that would turn you off in looking at what? What, what if he sort of has a, a tiny bit of a niggle here and there, but he, he's right to go round one. As soon as he even smells a calf strain or a hamstring strain or a groin strain, you don't touch him. Fair enough. Fair enough. You heard it here first, folks. Any other... Oh, there are plenty of other players you could consider locks in that Giants midfield. Which one Which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, let's go to their defense, actually, and let's talk about Zach Williams. Zach Williams. We can do that. Averaged 101 in 2019, and remember, and you would have to remember that uh, he missed most of the year before due to his Achilles in- injury. Um, so, uh, sort of started with scores that were okay on the surface, sort of, but it became very good as the season went on. Probably will start under price just based on late season form as well, because he averaged 108 from round 12. So seven points above what he averaged for the year. And he's had two low scores of 70 and then 96. Low. 
low, low in inverted commas. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, my question to you is, um, Williams obviously sort of stepped up in the absence of you know, Josh Kelly, who was unsu- you know surprisingly injured. Lockie Whitfield was injured as well. He stepped up in that engine room when they needed him alongside um, the butcher of Blacktown, Tobias Green. Do you think that played into some of that scoring, or do you think he can replicate that with the Giants' engine room being fully fit or as close to it as it ever gets? I think he'll be able to replicate it, um, only because I'm going to use a Lek analogy here, or a Lek saying here. Good players don't steal points off other good players. Good players steal points off bad players, making bad players worse. Yeah, well, there's certainly no doubt that Williams is in the good players category, but yeah... Um, will he continue doing that even if he's moves positions? Obviously, you, you chuck a whole bunch of very good players into a midfield together, and they'll all still score points. But if he's scored in a different role to the one that he ends up in, say, if, you know, scored in the midfield, ends up on a halfback flank at the start of this year, do, does he keep does he keep that going? Yes, I think so. I hope he does because he's also someone I'm I'm absolutely keen on starting. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot of a lot to players to try and shove into that backline um, next year, but he's certainly towards the top of that list um, because even if he doesn't produce, you know, the one ten one fifteen average he had at the back back end of the year, he'd still be safe for hundred odd hundred odd average, which is what he's priced at. So you're not overpaying for him, um, even if he underperforms to that extent. And that is that's just smart super coach. That's just smart super coach. Don't overpay for someone, but you, you're just going to get. What you get from him? Very little risk. Um, you know, not no major injury history outside that um, that Achilles strain. He says, having just realised he's played fifteen games last year, but yeah, I feel like he's, he's a good selection. Um, no, he didn't play fifteen games last year. Stephen Caniglio, who's Caniglioog, whose stats I've got up, played fifteen games. Ignore me, uh, Caniglioog. Is he someone you'd consider playing, speaking of players who are perpetually injured? Uh, are JBS playing Carlton uh, 22 games next year? Um, I don't know. They'll, well, they'll play them at least once. They'll play the Suns at least once, and he likes playing both of those sides. And you could almost pick him off those two games alone. When he's good, he's very good. When he's bad, he's very bad. So... I think I'm going to steer clear. I've had him the last two years, and it's just been painful. So I'm gonna th- I'm gonna give him a miss, just for, at least to start with. Um, but I can understand why people would want to start with him this uh, going into next season. There is the alluring uh, alluring factor of the captaincy. See if that raises some of those poorer games up. But yes, I I tend to agree that. Um, well, we've you know got him as a discussion in the lock category. He'd be more someone you'd look to upgrade into after a poor game or two, rather than uh, starting him. Is there anyone else you from the Giants you would want to lock into your starting side or be thinking about locking into your starting side? Purely just on potential starting price, Callan Ward. I've seen his name talked about a lot. Obviously, did his ACL seconds into the season 
um, last year, has now handed the captaincy over to Ganigliog this year. Talk to me about Callum Ward. He's usually a really consistent scorer. So his his floor and his ceiling, there's not usually a lot of difference, but what you get from him is consistency. So you'd usually get a score of between 90 and 105 in 20 out of 22 games. Yeah, and the, the important thing to note there is that you mentioned 22 games, and outside of doing an ACL last year, which is, is hardly a, a recurring injury that you you know you had to actively worry about unless you've done lots of them. You look back, since 2011, Callan Ward has played 22, 20, 21, 20, 22, 22, 22, 22 games. So he is a pillar of consistency on that front. So you know you know what you're going to get. Um, but yes, I, I wonder about that price. Roughly 510k. Is it too much to pay for someone who consistently averages 105? He's very, very unlikely to step into that top 10 position. Do you pick him as a consistent cash bank to then upgrade later in the year? Do you pick him as a end-of-season M9? Would you consider starting an end-of-season M9? I'm just not sure that he's he's filling that role of being a, you know, when you talk about midfield guns and rookies, you talk about the, the $60,000 players that will average 115, 120. I'm not sure Callum Ward fits that. I think if you got him, you would have to uh, expect scores expect the scores that he, that, that he scores. So you would have to do your research and be happy with what you get. Um, but given that he will probably start cheaper, you could potentially use him as a stepping stone to maybe a bit more expensive midfielder that you perhaps didn't start with because of their price. Is there a risk, we were talking about this off mic earlier, is there a risk that he starts stepping back from that Giants midfield? We know that the midfield there is stacked. They've added Tom Green, who's a contested beast. I imagine they'd be eyeing Tom Green off with an eye to fill Callum Ward's role when he retires in you know, two or three years. Do you think there's a risk that they throw Tom Green straight into the cauldron? Does... Jackson Haightley or Jai Caldwell get a run in there. Do you think Ward might step back? Um, I mean, the only thing that concerns me is it's never good doing an ACL, especially at 30. So who knows what he's going to be like um, going forward? Because we've seen people come back from ACLs and they're not quite the same player as, as when they left. Yeah, agreed. That'll be be one to monitor and good speaking of monitoring we've not been monitoring the time we're running out of time heap jeebies um rookies whoa a methuselah rookie card very quickly should we ever pick a rookie from gws demo yes or no no the, leon cameron has a preferred best 22 and rookies are rarely in them yep agreed unless there's someone that absolutely breaks in over the Marsh Cup, like a you know someone in the off a halfback flank or someone breaks into a midfield, don't even think about it. Don't it? No, no, not interested. Um, new players. Source. Is Source Jacobs is basically the only import to the Giants this year. It'd be three hundred and fifty k after being completely surpassed by Riley O'Brien at Adelaide. Do you pick Source Jacobs? 
Trice gets a big tick, but we have to say that he's learned to hit the ball to advantage. Because that's what let him down in the end at Adelaide. It did. And yeah, he's, you know, when when they changed the ruck rules around uh, to change it to hitting to advantage, Jacobs basically became irrelevant as a supercoach ruckman. The only reason a lot of people would think that he has become relevant again is because he prevents value. So presents value, and he certainly does at 350-odd K or 400 K. But do you want value in your ruck line when you could pick Max Gorn and Brody Grundy or Riley O'Brien or whoever else is lying about? Um, probably not, I would say. Probably not. Um, very quickly, because as I said, we're running out of time and I've just wasted time waffling about Sam Jacobs. Breakout options. You know you make me break I'm looking at Harry Perryman. Harry who? So he's played quite a few games over the last few years. Um, has he ever been a, not... a super coach relevant option? I, I'm, like I, I know that he's a player that exists, but does he score, Damo? Points? He's So he's got patches of good scores and patches of poor scores. So he needs to get a defined role, and that's when we will know if he is a good scorer or not. Because he's got patches of when he scores 101, 98, 72, then 86, and then drops away to score a 72, a 101 in the middle, and then a 61 and a 54. And then he'll have another run of 102, 98, 86, 74. Mm, Are these periods, you think, where he's getting thrown at the midfield or periods where the Giants are doing well? What's your theory? My theory is just is just that he doesn't have a defined role week in week out. It depends on the team makeup every single time. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, do you? He finished the season last year just under four hundred k as a defender. You'd think what he'd start four hundred and ten, four twenty about that. Um, potentially one to watch. Only played, yeah, played the fifteen games last year for an average of seventy five. Yeah, I don't mind it. One to watch, one from completely left field, and we love things from completely left field here at the Jock Reynolds Supercoach community. I'm going to be slightly more straight down the middle and talk about Nick Haynes as a breakout option. Um, Obviously had a a very, very good start to the grand final, um, and his whole final series was excellent from a football perspective. Um, But from Supercoach perspective, I think he's got some stuff to offer there as well. Um, finished the season very strongly. Should be about 480k, which is probably a bit more than you'd be comfortable um, paying for a, a defender that averaged 87 last year. And has only had the one full season as well, which goes against him. But um, from the grand final going backwards, he had 118, 118, 66, 68, 116, 105, 109, 85. Um, I think he was, yeah, building some very solid form. Very good intercept marker, which equals points, as we know. Um, Brilliant kick. Um, Brilliant footballer, but I think there's potential there. One to keep an eye on for a... I... He he loves to intercept the ball, but who knows how accountable he has to be next... has to be next year, especially if more injuries happen to their key defensive stocks. Yeah, I mean, that'll obviously be something to, to look at and how that 
that all comes together. But you'd hope with with a bit of key position depth. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You'd have one to watch. One to watch. If you've got any other breakout um, contenders, players up for consideration in your starting side that you're sort of tossing and turning over. No, I think we need to wrap it up. I think we do need to wrap it up. Damo, it has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's been good to talk about GWS and Melbourne. Uh, I don't know who we're talking about next time. No, uh, I've forgotten. I haven't looked. Forgotten what the ladder looked like after that. But um, it'll be after Christmas because the festive time is here, Damo. Um, and to to you and to Lech, who's obviously not here tonight, to everyone in the Jocklanders community, have a wonderful Christmas. Just have, have a good old time. Hang out with some family. Family's not your thing. Enjoy yourself. Look after each other. Be nice to each other. Damo, thank you for coming on. Thank you, Patch, and have a Merry Christmas yourself. Merry Christmas, you beautiful bastard. See you later, community.